Lemon with Lemon Farms in Oakley Union, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we just wrapped up a great legislative session for Texas agriculture, especially for efforts to strengthen right-to-farm laws. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We certainly don't want another really long dry spell in the Texas High Plains. But our farmers could maybe use a little break from our recent rains in order to finish planting their crops. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have a report on ag labor and the issues of concern on farms and ranches across Texas and the U.S. Just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Gardeners are really interested in new plants for the garden. Please join me, John Begno, as we talk about some landscape plants that are new to Texas gardens. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. We are visiting today with Billy Howe. He is the Associate Director of Government Relations for the Texas Farm Bureau. And Billy, the Texas legislative session wrapped up a few days ago. How did this session go for Texas agriculture? It was a great session for agriculture and for rural Texas. There were a lot of things that the legislature did this session that are going to be really good. One of the biggest priorities for agriculture in this session was strengthening the right to farm here in Texas. And we had two bills that addressed that issue. What happened with those two bills? Yeah, we had one bill dealing with city regulatory overreach over farms and ranches. And that bill passed unanimously from both the House and the Senate. And uh, it's sitting on the governor's desk at this point. And then we had another bill dealing with frivolous nuisance lawsuits where, you know, somebody moves out next to a farm and ranch and they don't like the smell or they don't like the dust. And so then they want to sue them to make them either go away or change how they're running their operation. And that bill also passed and it actually has been signed by the governor. So it'll go into effect on September 1. And in addition to those bills, Billy, I know we had a proposed constitutional amendment to protect the right to farm here in Texas. And it did make it through the process, correct? That constitutional amendment passed unanimously in the House and the Senate, which was surprising because there were several large cities like Houston and Dallas and some major animal rights groups like the HSUS and ASPCA that were actually opposing that constitutional amendment. Of course, those activist groups want to dictate how we raise livestock and everything, and and they view it as something that would prevent them from getting things passed in the future to dictate how you farm and how you ranch. 
Well, Billy, I know that constitutional amendment will go before Texas voters this November. Do you feel like it's going to have enough support to pass? We do. Uh, you know, we've seen some polling where there was outstanding support, like over 70 percent of people saying that they believe that folks ought to have the right to farm and ranch. So we feel good that the public is supportive of it. Obviously, the legislature was. It passed unanimously, even with those folks opposing it. We think that we're just in a period of time right now where people aren't taking their food for granted because of having gone through the pandemic with the supply chain disruptions that we've seen in the country. Folks are really focused on wanting to know where their food's coming from and wanting to make sure that there is food available to them. And, you know, that's kind of what we told people about this constitutional amendment is this isn't really just about looking at the past in the state of Texas as much as what this is, is we're talking about food security for the future. That's Billy Howe. He's Texas Farm Bureau's Associate Director of Government Relations. Farmers on the Texas High Plains have finally received the rains they've been waiting for. But James Hunt tells us they could use a break in the rainfall to finish planting. Just a few weeks ago, farmers in the Texas High Plains were hoping to get some good rains ahead of planting time. Now, a lot of them need a little break in order to finish planting. Justin Garrett, who farms in multiple locations in the northern panhandle, says he had gotten off to a good start on getting seed in the ground before things turned really wet about three weeks ago. That rain just started in and just has not quit. Right when it gets about dry enough, it rains about a tenth or three tenths and then an inch. and <laughs> It's a... Uh, We're just chasing our tail right now. Garrett still needs to finish out planting his corn and seed sorghum, but what he's really feeling pressure with is cotton, where the crop insurance deadline is drawing near. We have just a few days here to try to get that in, and if not, we have alternative crops we can go to, possibly beans and then late plant corn. And beyond planting issues, Garrett also wants the opportunity to do some spraying. That's another challenge we have is the weed pressures that are way higher than normal turn rows, pivot areas around the barn. We just have a lot of weeds that are coming on. I also asked Garrett about a situation that has been a headache for farmers the past couple of years, shortages and high cost for inputs. The supply has definitely increased of things that we were short in the last two years. That's been better. The pricing of the main chemicals that we use have come down quite a bit. A lot of the others are pretty much stayed the same as they were a year or two ago. So... It's a mixed bag. One input, Garrett says, is notably higher is the cost of energy to run irrigation systems. But luckily this year we're raining, so (laughs) we're not spending as much money on our irrigation costs. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A shortage of ag labor continues to be a huge issue. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest today is Hunter Carpenter. He is Senior Director of Public Policy with the Agricultural Retailers Association. And Hunter, your association uh, certainly involved in issues of ag labor across the country. What's your uh, main concern? And certainly uh, there's a lot of shortage of labor uh, across uh, Texas and the nation. That's right, Tom. And we certainly know that agriculture is dependent on a sustainable workforce now more than ever. The current H-2A Ag Guest Worker Visa Program needs some statutory reforms fits to be a workable solution for the ag industry. So we continue to support the establishment of comprehensive immigration reform policy that would also provide a usable guest worker program. So meanwhile, farmers are hampered by the fact that uh, they don't have the workforce on their farms, especially when it comes to 
a lot of the uh, harvest time and the manual harvest in various crop fields, the Rio Grande Valley, uh, citrus orchards, and, uh, specialty crops. What's the solution in the meantime? That's right. I would also like to point out that not only do we have ag guest worker issues on the harvest side of things, but also on the product delivery side. So in many instances, ag retailers will employ those H-2A workers to deliver pesticide and fertilizer to their grower customers. On Capitol Hill, is there any legislation at this time to address the situation and uh, what are the prospects of that legislation? The last couple of Congresses, we've had legislation introduced that deals with immigration reform. Unfortunately, we continue to see an impasse on Capitol Hill. We continue to push the message, even if you're less likely to have success in that arena, it's still good to carry the message to Capitol Hill. That is Hunter Carpenter with the Agricultural Retailers Association. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are some new plants available to Texas gardeners. Horticulturalist John Begno reports from San Angelo. New plants always intrigue gardeners. And, you know, it's very important to understand that these plants might have happened by themselves. They might have been bred by breeders. They might be mutations. There's all kinds of ways that these new plants just show up in wholesale nurseries, maybe in breeders' areas, and then they're developed and they're tested. And then they have to be grown, and then they reach the retail nursery where you and I walk in and say, wow, first question is, will that grow at my location or my home or my garden? And so we have to do a little research. It's very intriguing to see these new plants And if they come from some part of the world that, like, say, Australia and New Zealand, they may not even grow in Texas. So you have to do a little research. You have to read their tag. It's important that they survive at least that first year. And if it is a perennial, that it exceeds itself for a year or two and it becomes root hardy or it survives. So it has to be adapted first to your soil. Many times, if you read the tag, a pH for acid soil, but you have acidic, uh, you have alkali soil, so it's not going to work. The light, when they say full sun, they don't mean Texas full sun in many cases, because out in West Texas, that sun is so bright and so hot that many times you need a different type of plant for that environment. And water is very important. Be sure to know whether it needs a lot of water, low water, whatever the level of care is, is very, very important to making it succeed in your landscape. Stretching the zone has become real common right now where plants are tropical and then we put them outside. We stretch that zone to see if they will survive. Sometimes they live year-round in the right environment. Sometimes they go dormant in the winter. Sometimes they die down to where the root is very hardy and it comes back from the root. And sometimes they're totally dead and they will not survive. You need to know that kind of information. Many times that is on your county AgriLife Extension website or sometimes it might even be on the internet. So do your research. Don't be just wowed by these plants, but we encourage you to try new plants for Texas Garden. John Degner reporting from San Angelo. The National Lab has confirmed a new case of chronic wasting disease in Texas. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And a new genetic defect has been found in Holstein calves. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. 
We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, visit tfbhealth.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. A new genetic defect has been found in Holstein calves. Dr. Bob Judd says it's called calf recumbency. The United States Department of Agriculture, or USDA, university researchers and dairy genetics companies have been working together to study a defect currently called calf recumbency. Affected newborn calves with the defect are weak and unable to stand at birth or shortly after, while otherwise appearing healthy. Research by Dr. Chad DeChow at Penn State University showed most of the affected calves did not survive beyond six weeks after birth. The researchers compared the genetics of 18 affected and 26 non-affected calves and determined the defect is on chromosome 16. They were able to identify the DNA that affects recumbency and found that all affected calves were homozygous for the trait, meaning they inherited two copies of the gene, so both parents were affected. The actual gene that causes recumbency was identified in a common Holstein sire born in 2008, and this bull was found in the lineage of all affected calves. The USDA's Animal Improvement and Genomics Lab and the Council on Dairy Breeding are working together to develop a specific test that can be applied to all genotyped animals, but the test is not yet available. In the meantime, two tests are being used to determine if cattle are positive or negative. The Genetic Visions STTM test and the Phoenix BioTest are available, and it is believed that the defect can be eradicated from dairy herds by breeding only non-carrier females to non-carrier bulls. It is difficult to determine which calves to test as there are multiple causes of recumbency in dairy calves, but this is another possibility that we have to consider when dealing with a recumbent newborn calf. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A new case of chronic wasting disease has been found here in Texas. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. A free-ranging white-tailed deer has tested positive for chronic wasting disease in San Antonio. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, the doe was captured in Hollywood Park near Loop 1604 and Highway 281 in late January as part of an effort to reduce overabundant deer populations. Dr. J. Hunter-Reed, TPWD wildlife veterinarian, tells us there were no visible signs the animal was in the clinical stages of the fatal neurological deer disease. As a result of the detection, TPWD will implement disease containment measures in the area and will provide recommendations on mitigating disease transmission in Hollywood Park. Those disease containment measures will likely include CWD surveillance and containment zones. Dr. Reed briefed the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission on the new case last week. Uh, detection occurred in Bear County after a free-ranging white-tailed deer was found positive following post-mortem testing. Consequently, we propose to establish a surveillance zone using easily discernible boundaries in addition to a containment zone. As this is an urban deer population with relatively small home ranges, the size of both zones is reduced compared to more rural free-ranging <clears throat> populations. We are seeking permission to publish them as soon as possible so these changes can be considered for adoption in August prior to the next hunting season. 
TPWD plans to hold community meetings this summer to discuss the disease management actions, CWD zone establishment, and what that means to area residents. CWD affects members of the deer or cervid family, including white-tailed deer, mule deer, and elk. It has a long incubation period, meaning an infected animal may have it and spread it for years before showing any outward symptoms of infection. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Another higher close in the cattle market on Wednesday, but cotton prices drifted lower. We'll check out all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Another higher close in the cattle market on Wednesday again helped out from falling corn prices. We finished higher in live cattle with June up 25 cents, 169.12, August up 50, 167.67, while October live cattle were up 45, 171.77. Another triple-digit gain on Wednesday in the feeder cattle market, August feeders up $1.40, 239.17, September feeders up $1.55, 242.22, while October was up $1.65, 244.12. Cash fed cattle market still quiet for the week. No bids or asking prices yet to report. Boxed beef prices were higher on Wednesday. Choice up 63 cents, 305.59. Select up 44 at 288.21. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass, my guest, sells them on Wednesday in Columbus. Doug, how did it go? Had a good sale, Mr. Larry. We ended up 700 head of cattle. The market looked steady. Uh, calf market could have been a little bit higher, uh, but the cow market looked pretty steady the week before. Good. Walk those pins with us, please. Yes, sir. On your way in cows, standard lower yielding cows, 59 to 69. Medium flesh cows, 72 to 85. Better higher yielding cows, 86 to 102. Lower yielding bulls, 95 to 105. Better high yielding bulls, 108 to 128. Add a few little medium type pairs, bring 12 to 1450. A few bred cows, medium type bred cows, bring 1000 to 1250. On the calf market, like I said, I thought the calf market looked a little better. Uh, two to three weight steers, 190 to 302. Heifers, 180 to $3. Three to four weight steers, 185 to 290. Heifers, 175 to 292. Four to five weight steers, 170 to 267. Heifers 165 to 238. Five to six weight steers 165 to 250. Heifers 150 to 244. Six to seven weight steers 168 to 230. Heifers 145 to 206. Seven to eight weight steers 150 to 211. Heifers 140 to 184. And your 800 to 1,000 pound steers and bull yielders being 145 to 195. Heifers 135 to 155. Good. Do you know of anything for this next Wednesday sale? Yes, sir. Uh, we've got some cattle lined up. We're going to gather some today and 
uh, looks like we'll have a pretty decent sale this week. Yes, sir. Tell everybody how to contact you, Doug Bass. Yes, sir. Y'all can look us up on Facebook. Just look us up at cattlemanscolumbuslivestock.com. Y'all can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454, or call us here at the office, 979-732-2622. We appreciate you, Doug. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. Y'all have a good week. Neighbor, I'm Larry Marble. You've just listened to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Now back over to the futures market where lean hogs took another jump higher on Wednesday. June hogs up $1.75 at $82.57. July hogs up $3.80, $83.32. Class 3 milk was mixed. Nearby May milk up a penny, $16.17, a hundredweight, while June milk was down $17, $15.39, a hundred. The cotton market drifted lower in Wednesday's trading session. Traders seem to be sitting back, waiting on the outcome of the debt ceiling vote. They're also keeping an eye on this rain we're getting across the Texas Panhandle and Southern Plains, waiting to see what effect it has on cotton planting. We close with July cotton down 51 points, 83.48. October down 60 at 80.31. December cotton down 74 points, 79.47. Corn market steady to lower. We saw a big jump in corn planting in the weekly crop progress report. USDA says 92% of the corn crop now planted nationwide. That is ahead of the five-year average pace. We close with July corn unchanged, 594 a bushel. September down three and three quarters, 516 and a quarter, while December corn was down three and a half at 521 and three quarters. Wheat market moved slightly higher on Wednesday, July. Kansas City wheat up six and three quarters, seven ninety and a half. July Chicago wheat up three and a quarter, five ninety four and a quarter. In the energy markets, July natural gas down seven cents at two twenty five. July West Texas crude down a buck forty six at an even sixty eight dollars a barrel. The financial markets were slightly lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 139 points at 32,906. The Nasdaq down 74, 12,943. The S&P down 24 at 4,181. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.